Hello everyone, I'm Chris Dauphin, your TSEA Communications Director. Welcome to the Ask TSEA video podcast, our monthly show where state employees ask the questions and TSEA provides the answers. We're excited to begin, but first we want to remind you to please subscribe to our Ask TSEA YouTube channel and follow us on our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TSEA Online. All right, so thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. All right, welcome to episode three of Ask TSEA. Uh, today's panel, would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi, Keisha Pittman from Comp and Benefits. Gail Robb, Compensation and Benefits. And that makes me Jonathan Stevens. I'm the staff attorney here. Okay, well, today we have a few announcements uh, just to get started. Um, we have our legislative dinners, our West Tennessee legislative dinners coming up. And our next one would be in Memphis on Wednesday, December 11th from 5.30 to 7 p.m. in the Benjamin Hooks Central Library, 3030 Poplar Avenue, Conference Rooms B and C. And for that one, you can RSVP uh, through Wednesday, December 4th. And to RSVP for those, you can go to our website and on the right column, there'll be a box that says uh, TSEA's West Tennessee Legislative Dinners and select that box and it'll bring you to the area where you can RSVP. And our website is tseaonline.org or you can visit the link directly, which is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash capital T-S-E-A underscore capital R-S-V-P. Probably easier to go to the website. All right. So we'll move on. Um, we have a few legislative events coming up or legislators having events and um, a handful of those in November. First of off will be Senator Becky Duncan Massey, who's a good friend of state employees. Uh, she'll be kicking off her official re-election campaign for the 6th District on Sunday, November 10th at Lakeshore Park from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern, and state employees are invited to attend. Um, next, uh, Representative Bob Ramsey's campaign kickoff event is scheduled for Wednesday, November 13th at the Blunt County Library from 4.30 to 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern. You're, of course, invited to step stop by for a visit and some light refreshments. Uh, Representative Timothy Hill is hosting a free reception to welcome Speaker Cameron Sexton to the Northeast region of Tennessee. And there, that reception is actually where we had RA last year. Um, yeah. It's a free reception scheduled for Monday, November 18th from 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. at the Meadowview Marriott Convention Center in Kingsport. Uh, light refreshments, mingling, and Speaker Sexton will probably share some words. Um, if you plan to attend, the dress for that's business casual. And to RSVP for that event, you go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Cameron Sexton, all one word, C-A-M-E-R-O-N-S-E-X-T-O-N. And the last event that we have uh, on the calendar is the 26th Annual Chili Supper. Of course, that's by Senator Ken Yeager. It's a chili supper and silent auction, and it's set for Friday, November 22nd at Rowan State Community College in the Student Lounge from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern. Moving on, we have the holidays on the horizon, and of course, uh, state employees get a few days to enjoy with their families over the holidays. Uh, Gail, can you kind of go over some of those sure. dates? I know everybody's looking forward to the holidays. Um, if you remember a few years ago, TSCA took legislation to change the holiday we got in November, which was Columbus Day, and they moved it to the Friday after Thanksgiving, so that gives us two days for a Thanksgiving holiday, and this year they're scheduled for Thursday and Friday, November the 28th and 29th, and then our Christmas holiday will be Tuesday and Wednesday, December the 24th and the 25th, 
And the New Year's holiday will be Tuesday, December 31st, as well as Wednesday, the January 1st. And all those dates will be in the upcoming Coworker, which is due out in the next couple of weeks. And uh, so look for that sometime in mid-November, hopefully before Thanksgiving. Sometimes with uh, the post office, it takes a little longer to get your mail this time of year. So mm -hmm. they may not receive the paper till after Thanksgiving. Um, all right, so let's get into some of our discussion today. One of the things that um, I wanted to talk about, I get quite a few emails about, and at the season for pay raises, which is coming up, uh, sometimes the announcements come out, and the commissioner will say, these raises impact state employees in the executive branch. And I get a lot of emails from <coughs> some of our members and other state employees that, that say, hey, wait a minute, you know, why aren't we getting a raise? They don't, maybe they're confused of where they fall in the spectrum of government. And so I thought we could talk for a minute, the difference between executive branch and executive service. Um, Jonathan, do you want to lead some of that discussion? Sure, and that's a good question, Chris, because it is a little confusing if, if you're outside the mainstream of government. But the key term there to, to think about is branch, that the state government as well as the federal government is divided into three branches. There's the executive service branch, the legislative branch, and judicial branch. And uh, in short, uh, what our members need to uh, be reminded of is in any of the agencies they work with, 30-something agencies, they're going to fall under the executive branch. It's, it's uh, easy to maybe misconstrue that and think, well, that just means the governor and the governor's uh, aides. No, it's all those um, agencies uh, which uh, our members belong to. Legislative would mean, as the term implies, uh, those elected members uh, of uh, the legislature. And then the judiciary is, of course, the court system um, as well. Then in, in terms of thinking about executive service, that's a term that came to be in uh, 2012 with the TEAM Act uh, implementation. And the executive service would be those individuals, usually an upper level of uh, management, administration, uh, uh, commissioners, uh, assistant commissioners. Uh, and that would be generally called executive service versus preferred service, which a lot of our uh, members are in, the preferred service being uh, those employees who have an appeal right versus the executive service uh, employees who do not have an appeal right, who are at will employees, serve at the, the pleasure of their uh, administrator. So generally speaking, that's the difference. So when you hear executive branch service, 99.9% .9 of the time, that's going to be uh, the uh, category you fall into. Another issue we wanted to talk about today was um, we've had a few uh, emails about this concern and employees have where they've uh, they've been working for state government for a certain amount of years, they're offered a promotion, and they're nervous that if they take the promotion, they're going to go back on probation. And uh, recently, the state did away with what was called subsequent probation and moved to initial probation, right? Is that, what it, is that the term? And, right. and what initial probation is, is it's probation without appeal rights. So it's basically the probation you'd be as a brand new employee to state government. And so... Now, state employees are worried if they take the promotion, now they go back to initial probation, they don't have appeal rights. And can we talk about um, that concern and where we're at with sure. that issue? Right. That, and that is a, a good point that comes up from time to time that uh, we as a, or the association has dealt with the legislature since the TEAM Act in 2012. Um, a good starting point is that when an employee comes in as a new employee hired, they're on probation for a period of a year. And although they might uh, ultimately be classified as a preferred service employee, uh, 
uh, who has appeal rights. During that first year, they do not have any appeal rights. They're an at-will employee. They can be um, uh, fired for any reason at all, uh, all the way up to the last day of their one-year probation. And I've seen cases where the employee was terminated on the last day of, of their probation year. Once they sort of cross the threshold, we'll call it, from probation to a preferred service employee, then they do have all the appeal rights that any other employee has. So in this situation, we get into a little different dynamic that employee uh, has been working for a period of time, one year to 29 years, and they're a good employee, and they get the opportunity to be promoted within their department. Previously, there was a rather severe penalty, if you were, that employee who took the uh, promotion would have been on probation again. And remember, probation means you could be uh, let go at any reason, uh, for any reason, uh, with no appeal right. What we as an organization were able to do, working with the legislature and DOHR, is um, craft this concept of subsequent probation. And what that means is the employee, uh, the good employee, takes the promotion, goes into the new position, and is on probation for a year. Their, their work is going to be watched closely to see if they can do the job. But they have an appeal right during that time. So they're not strictly a preferred service employee uh, with all the benefits, and they're not strictly a new hire probation employee, but rather uh, an employee who, if they were um, terminated, uh, uh, given a suspension, a written warning, they do have those same appeal rights that uh, preferred service employee has. Now, you may notice in that little list of uh, discipline, I left out demotion. If they are demoted back to the position they came from, uh, they cannot appeal that um, that demotion uh, like a preferred service employee was otherwise. So the the real safeguard, and I think the thing to keep to take away for our members is. If they take that promotion and they, they are then on the subsequent promotion, they're not going to lose their job. They're not going to be a 14, 15, 20-year employee and then be out on the street. Uh, I uh, would say they have a right to appeal. Now, uh, then through the appeal right, they, they have to make a, a good showing on the merits to keep their job. But it's not as... Uh, uh, cutthroat maybe as it used to be uh, with uh, subsequent probation that we were able to structure there are a lot of safeguards there now right and I think it's important to kind of understand that when you first come into state government and I think this is sort of TSEA's stance when you first come into state government you know you're on probation to see if you can do the job that you're you that you applied for and that you were hired for when you take a promotion you should also be on probation for that job, not for your ability to be an employee of the state, right? So right. Oh, it's I almost agree. like you're on probation for that new position, and that rather than saying, well, you're on probation to see if you're even a good employee, because Absolutely. we already know you're a good employee. So right. that, that's right. kind of why we had an issue with it in the first place. And, you know, like a lot of these phone calls that we get from members that are just, you know, they're just trying to move up, and we didn't want to see it as, you know, the negative way to look at mm -hmm. it would be that they're using it as a way the state might be using it as a way to get rid of an employee. Yeah, here's a promotion. Now you don't have appeal rights, and well, we can terminate you. And I know there was a lot of fear out there for that issue. And, you know, it's definitely, it gave them that ability. I'm not saying they did it, but, mm -hmm. you know, they certainly would have been able to do it by the rule. So for those asking, we did uh, pass that in a last year's legislative session, and the governor signed it into law. 
We'll go ahead and move on into some of the questions that are submitted by some members of ours. And um, our first question comes from Jackie Scott. And Jackie asks, are all state employees going to receive a raise in January and how much? And will we also receive a bonus next year as well? Okay, so the, the legislature last, last year approved a certain amount of money for raises. And uh, they approved that money and, and then the budget's passed. Um, and then that money goes into effect from July 1st through uh, June 30th of the following year, which is called the fiscal year. And so that money they approve applies for raises. And then is it a September or an October, we do the, they do the review of the performance for the last right. 12 the months. Right, the cutoff for the performance was September 30th, right, Keisha? Yes. And um, they will finalize those, I think, now in no November. Then they will give that information to the fiscal offices so they can determine how they appropriate for the higher level, uh, the advanced and the outstanding. Those are the ones who get a bonus. Now, um, how much was funded in the last uh, budget percentage-wise? Uh, the, the amount? Yeah. I, I don't have that right on the tip of my tongue. I think it was, was it 2%? Does that sound oh, right? Oh, yes. The percentage yeah. is 2%. That's what we ended up with through the legislature. Right. You were 2%. talking about the exact amount right. of money, mm -hmm. but 2% is what employees can expect. 2% for anyone who achieved a rating of valued or above. Right. And if you achieved a higher rating of advanced or outstanding, you would get a one-time bonus, which you'll get in January. And though we, what we don't have are the percentages for those, and they're usually announced in mid-December. Mm -hmm. That's why the calculating all those who received a, an outstanding and advantage, when they determine the numbers, then they will determine the percentage of what they're getting. Right. And as soon as we have that, Chris does a good job and puts <laughs> it online and email goes out, and everybody's uh, waiting, not patiently. <laughs> well, we like sharing that information yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> And we're uh, doing an interview with the commissioner for the newspaper, and um, honestly, I'm not sure how much he'll be able to share as far as percentages, because like Gail said, that information just may not be available right. at this point with their calculations, and it's a big group of state employees that they have to calculate for. So um, as soon as we have that information, we'll share it. Our next question comes from Tracy Henson. Tracy asks, I'm a 30-year retiree. My daughter will be attending college soon. As a retiree, would my daughter still be eligible for the state discount? Yes, she would. If she is uh, 23 years old or younger, she and meets all the eligibility criteria, she gets a 25% tuition uh, discount at any state-operated facility. And it has to be state, can't be a private. That's a great... Um, right. That's a great discount. It is. So our next question comes from Trish Farmer. Trish asks, how can we obtain a copy of a past annual performance evaluation in Edison? In Edison, if you go underneath employee self-service and then performance management, they have a tab called historical documents. And you could pull up past performance evaluation by year. Yeah. If people, if anybody's having a problem with pulling up um, anything at Edison, you can always go to the Edison help desk and somebody will walk you through the process. That's great to know. And of course they can call here. Yes, they definitely could call here. Um, how, how long are they available? How many years stay there? All of them? They are all of them. Oh, good. 
But once the, the previous year passed, the new one comes up, and that one goes to historical documents. Our next question comes from Elaine Wolf. And Elaine Wolf asks, how do I sign up for the MetLife short-term disability and the long-term disability? Well, uh, as we've done for the last few episodes, we're going to go to Federated Marketing uh, to answer this one. Ken, uh, what do you have for us? Hello, this is Ken with the TSEA Insurance Programs answering Elaine's question. Elaine, you may only sign up for the MetLife Disability Programs during the open enrollment with the state and that is the first two weeks of October. And unfortunately, we've just passed that time. Uh, but our disability through TSEA is still available through an open enrollment guaranteed acceptance till the end of the year. You can reach us at 800-880-6542 or at federatedmarketing.com. And as with most insurances, and especially the disability, get it before you need it. It's the best advice I can give. Thank you for your question, Elaine. And remember, it's hashtag AskTSEA if you have a question. Hope you all have a great week. Bye-bye. All right, so that's it for this month's episode of AskTSEA. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next month. Well, that's this month's episode of AskTSEA. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit questions to our show, email those to AskTSEA at TSEAonline.org or visit our website at TSEAonline.org slash Ask-TSEA. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TSEA Online. That's all for this month. Have a great month. We'll see you next time.